I'm so glad to see you back tonight. I appreciate you coming and being a part of our worship service and this special time as we enter into this new year. We spoke to you this morning about the abiding, that we can focus upon the fact of something of the future, something that will last, and I believe that this should be the desire of the church. Uh, we are doing the, uh, tonight, uh, I feel the state of the church address as we focus upon how we go about uh, being successful in the eyes of God, not in our own eyes or the eyes of the world, but that we can hear him say, well done. And we heard a tremendous prayer that basically it would just would sum up the the very fact of Lord, this is where we have been, and this is where we are going, and 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 it was just a tremendous word about a vision for a church. And now this uh, coming next couple of of services, I'm going to be casting a vision, and and with that, I'm I'm praying that God would give us insight. I'm not casting a vision for a year only. I want to cast a vision for a decade that we can see and focus upon something solid and strong so that we can be a church that regardless of what goes on around and changes that happens all around, that we can have something that abides. And to do that, we have to address first the very spiritual aspect of what God wants of a church. And uh, so we're going to be dealing with the DNA of the church. Now, if you turn to Acts chapter 2, we're going to remain primarily in the book of Acts during the full course of this, of this sermon tonight. But to understand what God has called and, and required of us, I want you to focus, first of all, upon the fact that we are called to be more than just a place that we meet, but that God has di divinely directed us. I get all of my stuff here together and all the things that I've, um, so that I can present this word to you. Now, <clears throat> let me talk about the DNA of the church what we are and what we are called of God to be. Uh, Christmas has passed, and I hope you got what you were wanting. I hope that it was good to you, that, uh, that you had a great time. I, I know that I did. I'm grateful for everything. I have been dropping hints of a Christmas gift that I want, but I didn't get it. <clears throat> And so I got a second chance as my birthday's coming up this month that I'm going to drop another hint. Uh, <laughs> I have always wanted to do uh, one of the, the uh, ancestry DNA searches because uh, I've always wondered what in the world am I because I'm so mixed up. <laughs> I didn't get an amen. Amen. <laughs> <laughs> I would know that 
<clears throat> you can't take what I like to eat and make any determination because I like everything. And I mean anything. I, I, I could get by in any part of the world <clears throat> because I like food. And it doesn't matter what, what, uh, where it comes from, I just like food. So I know that I must have a real good mixture of, uh, uh, but <clears throat> whatever, the, whatever the DNA is, and I know my name, uh, and uh, says Kelly, I've been able to go back in my history a little ways, back to, <clears throat> back to Scotland, and I didn't go very far into that, but I still didn't, uh, that's only one line of it. I've had a lot of folks, we, the, you're a really mixed up person, you know? Uh, and you, you're never really what you think you are. Uh, you know, we have, we have someone running for president that for years declared she was uh, American, uh, let me see if I can say it correctly, Amer uh, American Indian. <clears throat> and after she did her DNA, that I think it came back that she has so little, little in it till it was almost like somebody might have passed by the house one day or something, you know. <laughs> But whatever it is, it's just always been a fascinating thing for me that now that we have these uh, biotech companies that are able to take the, the, the 23 chromosomes that, that, we, that is in every cell of our bodies and take that and search it out and, and know just basically where, where our background is. And that, that's just a fascinating thing to me. And, uh, uh, but anyway, I... Uh, I, I also love the fact that we have, as a church, as a body of Christ, a DNA. What is our, what is our history? What is the background and the formation? Because I wonder today if we really look and think that we, we have in our, in our structure, in our, in our chromosome of the church, chromosomes of the church, if we really are made up of, of, of that we could run our history back and it would be so pure with, connected with the, uh, with the book of Acts in the church of Acts. And, but, I, but I want you to know that we can, we, can, we can always develop what God desires of us and become the church that he desires. Because I don't want to go before him and have completed the work that I do in his body as a church. We don't want to stand before God and God look at us and say, you did all of this, but that's not what I wanted you to do. I didn't, I didn't form you for this. I didn't make you to do what you're doing. How far have we drifted into to what we want, what, what we think the church should be? And... and uh, brought us to the point where if God, let me just give you an example. If, if, if we were to go to uh, Chris's Steakhouse, some real good high-end steakhouse, sit down, unfold our napkin and have the waiter to come over and, and we place our order, we want a, we want your best ribeye that you've got and we want the baked potato we want salad and this is the dressing we want and we put that order in and some of you already getting your taste buds are 
going into action right now. But you sat there, and then in about 15 minutes later, the waiter comes back, and he sets down a bowl of noodles in front of you. And you look at it, and you say, that's not what I ordered. I ordered a steak. Well, this is what we think is that, uh, that you really need. This, this is our idea from the kitchen. Wouldn't it be something that we would go before God and, and this is what God desired and what He planned and what He placed in order to the body of Christ and we present to Him what we think He wants and we've drifted so far from His order of what He wanted that He would say, I, I, I didn't want that. That's not what I wanted of you. So, so to get our lives and to get a foundation of abiding where we are going to last, then we've got to get in order of what God wants. And what does He desire above everything else? And we can find that in the book of Acts. And I believe that we can find the very, the very spirit of what God wants. And in Acts chapter 2, You see, we can find examples in the scripture of a lot of people who brought to God what they thought would be pleasing to him. Cain is an example of that, and the spirit of Cain is presenting to God what you want to give him. And God rejected that because that's not what he wanted. And so I want to make sure that in these next 10 years, that we really focus on what God wants of a church. And he hasn't left it for chance. It is a marvelous thing is that the prayer was that we, we, we're reaching out and doing different things and we continue. We change. We change in our, in, in our programs and our different things. But we, we maintain a spiritual connection that this is, this is what God wants as a body of believers and so let's get, the spirit, let's get this spiritual aspect of it done. And in Acts chapter 2, uh, Peter, Peter began to preach because we know that something happened uh, in, in uh, Acts chapter 2. The Bible says that when the day of Pentecost had fully come, that as they were gathered together, there was only about 120 of them. Now, according to what you can read in other places, there were over 500 that heard the command of the angels that why stand you here gazing up into heaven, the same Jesus you see taken from you is coming in like manner as you see him go. And although there was over 500, only 120 of them went back to Jerusalem, did what they said, did what the angels said, go and tarry. And so the process of tarrying was that they were there and they prayed and they waited upon God. And on this day when the church was formed, when the birth of the church took place, first of all, there was a wind. The wind always is, is an example or speaking of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit of God came. The Holy Spirit also speaks of the anointing of God. Because the anointing rests upon those that were there 
The Holy Spirit came in the form of the wind. There was a mighty wind that filled all the house. And there appeared unto them clothed tongues as a fire. And it divided and set upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, which is that process of becoming the church that God wants us to become. And the fire, and when it came, then we know that something took place. The, the new menorah, the new anointing. In the Old Testament, it was the, it was the menorah in the, in the temple that the fire was upon and the fire rested upon. But God and His Holy Spirit came down on the day of Pentecost and placed His fire upon people. And we became the light of the world. And that's what we are. We're the light of the world. Man, what a marvelous thing when Peter stood up to preach. Peter's preaching that day exemplified what God was going to do. Because we know we can go back in the Old Testament. You see, when Peter preached, his message is broken down basically in two parts. But when he preached, something took place. And I love the comparisons. Because you, you go back with me in the Old Testament when Moses went up on Mount Sinai and received the commandments of God, the, the, the oracles of God, and was on the tablet. And Moses came down from the mountain with that tablet, with the oracles of God, the law of God in his hand. And the children of Israel had already broken the laws of God before he ever got down. Because there before him was the fire. And, and, and the people were, were worshiping this idol, this calf. And when Moses asked his brother, what took place? And he said, well, we just took people's gold off of the, there we took their earrings and cast them into this fire and this calf popped out. And we worshiped this calf. And Moses said to the people that day, who's on the Lord's side? And the Levites joined with him, stood with him. And Moses, like a mighty leader, said to them, Mount up, guys. We're going to take care of business. On that day, 3,000 people, 3,000 men were killed. The law came and brought death. 3,000 died. On the day of Pentecost, after Jesus had been crucified, buried, resurrected, and the Spirit of God descended and He formed His church. And when Peter preached his message, 3,000 souls were saved. Hmm. Glory to God. The law kills. But Jesus came to bring life. And it gives us the first indication that with following what God has ordained, there will be automatically the power of God to save sinners and people will come to know Jesus. If we present life. And that's the whole call of God upon the church is to present 
the, the dynamite, the power, the presence of God. And when we see the focus of that day, it was the church getting ready with the anointing of God, with the fire of God, with the Holy Spirit falling. And that everyone became a messenger of the truth of Jesus Christ. No longer just one. Now Peter preached on that day. But you know one thing that I love? And that is the fact that when Peter preached, it was because that others had been talking about through their own language and to the language of those that were there that could hear them speak the message of Jesus Christ. And then Peter preached and 3,000 came and joined. And then, and then there had to be the development of what God wanted with these people. And this is where we get the original understanding of the call of God for the church. The spiritual call of God of the church. Acts chapter 2, verse number 42. Acts 2.42 and it reads like this. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, in the breaking of bread and prayer. Four things that is in the DNA and the call of God for His church. Verse number 43 says, Then fear came upon every soul. Many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. Now all who believed were together and had all things in common, and sold their possessions and their goods, and divided them among all, as anyone had need. So continued daily, one in one accord. That's not a Honda. Continued daily with one accord in the temple, and breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart. Listen to verse 47. Praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. This is the DNA. This is our, this is our history. This is the foundation of what God has called us to. Let's look at these four things quickly in this service tonight. Number one was that they continued... In Now the core, the very core, now there's a lot of things that God calls us to do. That's why we take this ministry and we do different things. We have youth ministry, children's ministry, we have outreaches, we have, we have Sunday school, we have various things. But all of it in the spiritual realm has to be that we do these things and this is the core of being the church. Number one is the word. Everything starts with the Word of God. Peter's sermon, when he preached, there was something that took place. There were two parts to his message. The death of Jesus and the resurrection of Jesus. He preached Jesus to these people. He told them about the fact that they were the ones that crucified him. He put those that were lost on the spot to let them know that they were the cause of the death of Jesus. And when he preached to them, there was something more than just the words of man. 
There was the power and the fire of God. And that fire of the Holy Spirit was the very thing that would cause people to be saved. Listen, we can preach all we want to preach. Nobody's going to get saved. We can have outreaches all we want to have. We can do all we want to do. But we have to have the Spirit of God. It takes the anointing of the Holy Ghost. Peter's conclusion in his sermon was this. Repent. And be baptized. Every one of you. I love that. Now we know that baptism doesn't save you. But baptism is a part of the salvation plan. We receive Christ. That is the spiritual. But I believe that if a person does not want to be baptized, it's a good sign they've never been saved. Because it is a part. He didn't say, repent and you're okay. Repent and be baptized. Make public confession that you have been born again. I believe that's not just one time. And of course we just were baptized one time. But I believe our proclamation ought to be daily. Everybody that knows us ought to know we're a child of God. Amen. It is a continual confession of the faith. What we must do is listen to it. Here is the very core of everything. Why do we baptize? Because baptism declares that I know Jesus and he knows me and I have made him Lord of my life. The second part of that message must never be stopped being preached, and that is repentance. I know you get tired of me saying that, but repentance should be a process of everybody's life continually. Why do we repent? Because we sin. Amen? And I dare you to show me anywhere in the Scripture where it does not tell us and if we sin, that we don't have to repent. It is called of God because repentance declares, just like baptism declares we're saved, repentance declares, I know He forgives me of my sins. Amen. And so it is, it is the continuation of what baptism does Repentance is the continuation of reflecting that we are consciously aware that we have sinned and that we are sorry for those sins and that we repent before God for those sins. So this is the message and what we must do. Listen to what, listen to what the scripture says. To give yourself. And, and that, that, that they gave themselves continually to the reading or the studying of the word of the apostles' doctrine. This is the very core of life itself in our life. If we are to be the church God wants us to be, we've got to be focused on the word. The word should be the center point. The word is the main thing. The word is what brings life. The word sets us free. The word enlightens us. The word encourages us. The word builds us up. So how do you give yourself to the Word? Have you ever thought about that? How do you give yourself 
to the Word. There are three things that you do to give yourself to the Word. Number one is you study. Study the Word. Study to show yourself approval unto God. A workman need not be ashamed, but rightly dividing the Word of truth. Study the Word. And in the study of the Word, you're giving yourself to the Word. The Word has life. The Word reads you. If you give yourself to the Word and you stay in the Word to study the Word, it becomes the fact that you've given yourself to it. So study and submit. Not only do you hear the Word, but you become a doer of the Word. It's not enough to hear the Word, but you've got to do what the Word says. What we are having today are people who are ripping the Word of God apart because they don't like what it says or they don't take it for what it says. They want to change it to believe that it's something else. There is nothing that you could ever say about God that will override this book. You can say He is love. Yes, He's love. But He is love within the contents of this book. Study. Submit. Which means whatever the Word says, we submit to the authority of the Word of God. And submitting yourself to the Word means that you're giving yourself to the Word. It means that that Word is the source of your instructions. If you're doing something that this book says that you ought not do, there's one thing to do. Quit it. Amen? Now, I'm going to tell you what you can do. You can go around and find some liberal church, some liberal pastor that's been to a seminary that's more like a cemetery <laughs> that will tell you that it's okay to do what you want to do. God loves you. But I want to tell you something. To give yourself to the Word means this Word is my authority. And I don't care what a man tells me. I want to go by what this book tells me. Amen? So study, submit, and conform. Which means that we, we, our minds become conformed to the Word of God when we listen and read and submit. When you submit to the Word, your, your whole being begins to conform to it begins to adapt to. You become another person. You, you lay aside the worldly things that one time controlled you. And sin no longer dominates your life. But the Word of God dominates your life. And if the Word of God dominates your life, it's going to transform you. Amen. There's a metamorphosis that takes place. There's a literal change. We're no longer who we used to be. We've been transformed by the Word of God. It gets into your mind and then it gets into your spirit and gets into your being so that you normally will do without even consciously aware that you do what the Word of God says because you've been conformed to it. So the three steps of giving yourself to the Word is study, submit, and be conformed to the Word. Now, the Word of God... It, it is a marvelous thing. Can you go with me just for a moment? And I had it here on my, these scriptures on my phone, which would be so quick to easy to, to look at without me having to turn to all of them at once. But in Acts chapter 12, we got our Bibles here. Let's just take a moment. In, in Acts chapter 12, in verse number 24, the Bible says, But the Word of God grew 
and multiplied. The Word of God grew. What does it mean that the Word of God grew? It meant that the Word of God is, is life, and how do you cause something to grow? Like a tree, anything else, is that you put focus upon it and the attention of what it needs and it begins to spread. So the, the word there is that the word of God began to spread. In other words, it began to have an effect. How many has been affected by this silly, not silly, but this absolutely terrible flu or virus or whatever's been going around that started about a month ago or whatever it was and it just goes through your family and some of you have visited you two or three times. It, you gave it good company. It came back to see you again. Now those things, that thing grew. It started and it just spread. It spread basically through this whole church. And everybody has been affected by it. Some still are being affected by it. That thing just hangs around. But it grows because it just, go, it just it, you don't even know how it's done it. That's the same, listen, that's a negative aspect. But the word of God grows. If you get the word of God in you, it's going to get in your kids. If you get the word of God in you, it's going to get in the church. If the word of God begins to come forth as power and conform us, it begins to spread. It's going to get out of this church. It's going to grow beyond this building. It's going to reach out. It's going to touch people. It's going to change. And this building won't hold the people if you let the word of God spread and so the word of god began to grow and multiply acts 13 43 right over in the next chapter the bible says in verse 43 now when the congregation was broken up many of the jews and devout proselytes followed paul and barnabas who speaking to them prepared them to continue in the grace of god that don't sound like the next scripture on the next Sabbath, almost the whole city, listen to that. On the next Sabbath, almost the whole city came together for what? To what? To hear the word of God. You know what? I want that anointing to be up on this pulpit. I want people to want to get to the house of God to hear the word of God. I want the Word of God to be so strong in me that I don't have focus on anything else but the Word of God. I want it to pour forth from my life. I want the singers to sing. I want the Word of God to grow so that the world will come to hear the Word of God. This is the DNA of the church. This is what it has to be that the church, Acts 19 and 20, this, this, this scripture, 19 and verse 20. Now, I kept back nothing that was hope that was helpful, but proclaimed to you and taught you publicly and from house to house. That's, in verse, that's chapter 20. I done skipped a whole chapter. So the word, listen, 19 and 20. So the word of the Lord grew mightily and prevailed. And so if the word of God becomes the primary for our church, then we need to make sure that whoever's teaching, whoever's in the position to carry the word, that the word of God has them first. I don't want anybody teaching the word that don't live the word. Amen? Is that fair enough? I believe the word of God is strong, is powerful. Let the word do its work. The second thing, and, and, and I'll be finished here in just a minute. 
The second part of the spiritual DNA of the church is fellowship. Koinia. Fellowship. The word very basically means in common. It means that first of all that fellowship is a primary and it is very vital for the church. This is what God called us to do is to become community. That we become in the early church, we read on there that they, that they saw what they had and they made provisions for people who didn't have, that they helped one another, that so all would have things in common. No one, and the commonness of the people was that they knew that God was the source of their life. They trusted in the Word of God. They trusted in the source of God. And when they had everything in fellowship, now here, here's where I want to touch to, to you tonight. When you begin to do what God says, your community starts growing. And with the growth of a community, you start getting different people. And different people be different. Not everybody's going to look like you, dress like you, act like you, be you. Now the problem with that is... We have a tendency to pull to our own. You've heard that old saying, birds of a feather flock together. Now, you may not like that, but it's the truth, and we have to fight against it as a church. In other words, we got to fight against little groups pulling off to themselves and becoming little groups. Come on now. Don't, don't look at me that way. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm pastoring tonight because we're going to have some folks in here that's going to come in, that God's going to send us, and He's not going to send us the wrong people. He's going to send us people that's going to cause us to strip of ourselves of what we think and begin to reach out arms and love and commitment to whoever is there. They may chew gum, and you don't like folks that chew gum. <laughs> Amen. And this is what we have to work against because let me tell you what happens. How many has ever had a bad washing machine or a good washing machine go bad because after you, 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 you well, we had one, oh my goodness. And we put clothes in that thing and you'd be so careful to just put them all, scatter them around, make sure everything, and, and you'd, that thing start washing in a little bit, you'd hear whoop, 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 whoop. You go in, the, go in there and the thing done, done danced all the way across the floor. <laughs> and what had happened was that there was a group of them closed that somehow that they thought we belonged together. And we're not a part of all these others over there. And so when they did, the washing machine went crazy. You want to have a balanced church, you've got to just keep believing and let God put who He wants with you. Amen. I got a feeling it didn't smell too good on the ark. But it was the only place of salvation. Come on now. Your other choice was, you know what your other choice was? I'll take the ark and all the smells. <laughs> and so we've got to have that. And, and you see, a lot of that has to do with the agitator. And I guess you know who the agitator is. <laughs> Yeah, your pastor. 
Because he's going to stir things up and it's going to make some folks mad. But listen, we don't have parties. We don't have groups. We are open to the whole body of Christ. Because if God touches this church the way that I believe He's going to touch, touch this church, that a year, two years, three years from now, ten years from now, that there will be such a move of God in this church. But it's going to be when we allow God to put with us and we continue to do what God's called us to do. Amen. So avoid it. Avoid it. I know it's easy to do. I know it's so common to do. But the very thing that will destroy a church is when you start having little groups start pulling off together and living to themselves. Amen. And so let's don't do it. I'm giving you the word, the word of God now. So fellowship is important. The number third, the three, three, the third thing that we must do as a church to have the DNA of what God has called us to do is worship. Worship. Now, worship is lifestyle leading to praise. In other words, worship is not just when you come into this building and you say, well, we're going to worship God today. No, you're worshiping God every moment of your life. You're worshiping something every day of your life. And we, we learn out of the worship of God, a heart that is devoted to God. I, I need to put a whole sermon on each one of these things. But I'm trying to just give you the basics tonight so that we can start this year right. Let's become a worshiping church that leads to a praising church. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Why does it say have breath? Because you use your breath to praise God. Amen? Now, what is praise? What is the praise of God? There are three things that I want to give you real quick about, about praise. Number one is that praise is an antibiotic. What do you mean, preacher? Because the Bible says that Satan, your enemy desires to devour you and in the book of James it says resist him and he will flee from you how you resist the devil I rebuke you devil no you start praising God he cannot stand the praise of God because God inhabits the praise of his people you get God present Satan goes and to get God present you praise because he inhabits the praise of his people. This needs to be a praising church. Now, so we, we, it's an antibiotic. It's an anti-Satan. It's a way to get rid of the devil. It's a way to bring the presence of God. It's the spiritual pulse of your life. Praise is. Praise is. A, give, me, give, me, give me five minutes. I, I think I'll be finishing that. Praise is the spiritual pulse of, of your life. You know what a doctor does as soon as he, you come in, he either take, he, he, sometimes the first thing he does is feel your pulse. He wants to know, is this, is this guy alive or not? I've been in some churches, Brother Goss, where that I put, a, I checked the pulse, and man, I, that thing was dead. That wasn't no life. Your praise is the spiritual pulse of your life. If you got praise, you got life. And we need to have life in our church, in our services. 
Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. I, I, I could spend time here, but so the devil is an antibiotic, it's an anti-Satan. It is a spiritual pulse. And number three, it is a method of thanksgiving. You know what we have a tendency to do? Look at me. This is very important. Three parts to praise. Three parts to praise as thanksgiving. What we normally do is say, I've got to praise the Lord for something he's done for me. That's praising him for something of the past. True praise is that you praise him for what he's done. You praise him for what he's doing. And you advance praise him for what you're praying for and what you're believing him for. And that is the only way a true praise comes is that you see, it is the payment in advance of giving God what God deserves before you even get the answer. And when you start praising Him for the future and you praise Him for the things that's going to happen, you go into that classroom and when you get ready to take that test, you walk through those doors and say, Oh Lord, help me. I'm so, I'm such a mess. And then because you didn't study, but you go in there with praise in your heart. Lord, I thank you that I'm about to ace this thing. It's going to be the best test I've ever taken. My mind is clear. I thank you, Lord. I praise you, Lord. When you go in advance before you go to the doctor for the checkup why don't you go in there with praise to him because the results is going to be negative and because his hand is upon you and you're a child of God he's healed you I praise you that you've already healed me mm. and so worship by praise that leads to praise and number four in closing man we need a lot of time with this one but I won't take it The fourth DNA core of a church is desperation of prayer. Praying real, genuine, heart, core, pray. Prayer. 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 Look at chapter 4. Let me show you what kind of prayer the early church our ancestors chapter 4 verse 31 and when they had prayed when what they had prayed look, look, look at me one of the most dangerous things you can ever do is to begin to advocate the fact that somebody will pray when we're called it didn't say and so and so brother brother Bobbitt prayed or brother Sammy prayed they prayed. Amen. Now there's nothing wrong with having someone to lead prayer, but we'll come together to pray. And if we don't pray, we're not doing the church call. We're called to pray. And that doesn't mean to pray individually. They prayed. Listen to this. And when they had prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken. Whew. Been in a prayer meeting like that? Mm. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. I thought they were filled back yonder. Yeah, the Holy Spirit is continual feeling, filling, filling. It's a continuation. And they spoke the word of God with boldness. It all starts with prayer, and they prayed. Here's what you do. And let me give you this. 
Pray until something shakes. Now, I'm not talking about a building. I'm, I'm telling you, you can break until you're broken. You can pray until you're broken, until you're shaken. I have prayed, and I know when I have, old-timers used to call it praying through. You ever heard that term? Praying through. The old-timers used to say that. Pray, boy, pray till you pray through. What do they mean? Pray until you've broken through that resistance that has you bound. Pray until something shakes. We've got to pray. We cannot leave it out. It's got to be a major part of our ministry. Pray until something shakes. Pray, number two, until the Holy Spirit comes. Because I promise you, you pray long enough, the Holy Spirit will show up. Pray until you're filled with the Spirit. Pray until you know the glory of God has come upon you. You say, but a pr preacher, I don't understand this. You will if you start really praying. Come on now. You say, preacher, this don't, this is, this is sounds, look, I'm giving you the DNA of the church. Pray, why don't we pray if we stop before something happens? You know what Jesus said? A woman came to the king and asked. He, would, he didn't care anything about her, didn't care about what she was saying, anything. But because of her persistence. He gave her what she wanted. And sometimes we got to pray. The Bible says that we take heaven. It's a warfare. And prayer is war. And we take heaven by violence. Which means we press in. I'm not giving up until heaven hears me. I'm not giving up until God answers my prayer. So you pray until something shakes. Pray until the Holy Spirit comes. And pray until you're ready to preach. <laughs> you need to write that down. Pray till it's shaken. Pray until the Spirit comes and pray till you're ready to preach. What it means, it says that every one of them, for the Holy Spirit, they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak the Word of God boldly. It means that after a while, when you prayed through and you've had that glorious experience with God, you're going to feel bold. You're going to feel like, i got to tell somebody about what God's doing. Oh, hallelujah. Come on now. i got to let somebody know what my God is. It took five minutes of your time. But praise God, I want to be a praying people. You've learned a lot right there about prayer. Take that home. Listen to it. If, if, if you want to challenge this preacher, that's okay. I mean, make sure I'm telling you right. But some of you have never learned how to pray in your life because you've never prayed until something happens. It's not easy. It's warfare. Come on. Amen. But how many has received something tonight from the Lord? You got the word of God in you? Amen. Can we praise him because of what God's going to do for us in the future? Can we praise him in this service tonight because we can say God?